23, it says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is God's word. So um, back on June 13th, which was 16 weeks ago, you guys were handed a proposal to adopt a, a church covenant, okay? A church commitments, a set of promises that we make to God and to one another for how we're going to commit and aim to live together. Uh, and, and that is just a tool um, to help us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Because the day's drawing near. It's a tool to help us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works because the day's drawing near. Okay, the, you know, the night is far gone. The hour, the, the hour of salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. Okay. Like on a calendar. That's really cool. So Lord willing, for the next three weeks, what we're going to do is work through that thing. And when we're done, if we like it, if we don't like it, we won't. If we like it, if we think that it's something that can be helpful to our discipleship, helpful to our evangelism, helpful to our uh, witness in the world, uh, we'll, then we'll, after that, we'll start and take next steps to uh, adopt and implement it into how we do things here. So uh, if you're new today, the next three weeks will be a little bit different. Normally, we, we try and be really text-driven um, in our preaching and, and open up to this passage, say what that passage says, ask how can we obey that thing, and then cry out for the Holy Spirit to help us obey that thing. That's normally what we've done, at least for the last um, six years. So when we're done with this, we'll jump right back into Matthew 5 through 7, and the next section is the Lord's Prayer. So I'm really excited to um, get into that. So before we get into uh, the content of the covenant, I want to talk about why, uh, what are we hoping to accomplish with this thing? And it's really two reasons. Can someone shut the back door before we lose all of the air conditioning? All right, so two, why are we doing this? Uh, two reasons. First, to standardize, and I think we have it up there, standardize and remove any kind of vagueness about what it means to be a member of our church here, Okay. That's first. Second is to provide a clear, simple, not vague on-ramp for people who want to join our church, who want to be part of what we're doing here. So the first one, let's deal with that, standardize, remove any kind of vagueness about what it means to be a member of CLC. Because right now, at least as long as I've been doing it, there is some vagueness, okay? And the first example I have of that is um, when I was leading our student ministry, um, Terra Nova, and, and students after that, I would be at the football game or football homecoming or the basketball homecoming, and I'm sitting there like a good Tonkawa citizen watching us do this thing, um, and the, the candidates would come out. So-and-so is a member of Who's Who among American high school students, which no one knows what that is, but everybody is a member of it. And <laughs> seriously, go to, go to the football homecoming, whatever that is, October. October, so-and-so is going to be a member of who's who among American high school students. It's just how it is. Um, they're a member of NHS, which everyone is also a part of. Um, they're a member of 4-H because everyone gets in 4-H so they can leave school all the time. Their favorite color is yada, yada, yada. They've been part of this sports team forever, and they always end it because we're in small-town Oklahoma. They always end it with so-and-so is a member of this church. And so I'm going to that thing for years, and they get to that part, and they say, and so-and-so is a member of Christian Life Church and the Terranova Youth Group. And I'm sitting there like, huh, 
I don't know who that kid is, <laughs> but apparently I'm his pastor. So there's some disconnect as to what it means to be um, a member, right? In their own mind, at least enough to put it on a bio, they think they're a member of CLC. And I have no idea um, who they are, okay? That's what I'm doing junior high and high school. Same thing happened when I started doing it um, as, as a lead pastor here, except not with homecoming bios, this time with obituaries, Okay. Big part of my job is reading the obit. So I open that thing up, so-and-so read about their really cool life. Okay, and some people, honestly, guys, it's good for your soul is to read obits, right? Because you're going to have one someday, right? And, and you want to, you know, you want to stand before, before God. Um, anyway, so-and-so, they have this awesome life, especially the more veterans um, from, from those earlier wars are, are, are passing away. It's really cool to read that stuff. Anyway, I'm finding out, and I'm shocked, 23-year-old Josh sitting in that office like, oh, one of my church members died. Never seen this person. Don't know who this person is. I don't know if they're a believer. Definitely don't know if they're a member of my church. But in the paper, in their obit, they're a member of CLC. And it's, it's, it's the story of the emperor with no clothes. Have you heard the story? Okay, the emperor wants these this beautiful clothes made. The guys don't know what to do, so they just make invisible fabric. And the, the they tell the emperor, oh, this is good stuff. You're going to like this, and no one wants to feel stupid. So they say, that looks great, emperor, and even though he's naked. And so he goes marching out in the street with, with no clothes, and everyone's like, that looks so good. But a little kid is the only one with the, you know that's not sucked into that. Says, hey, why is he naked? Okay. The emperor has no clothes on, all right? So we're calling people members that by any, you know, objection, objective metric um, is just not, okay? So it's just odd. It just creates this odd thing where I'm at homecoming or I'm reading the obit. And I'm like, I don't know who that person is. And that's really important for a church that considers itself to be congregationally governed, right? Governed by our members means we really need to know who our members are. Does that make sense? Okay. So the goal of setting a clear standard of membership is to remove that odd and just make it really clear who members are and who members are not. Who represents Jesus to Tonkawa from CLC and, and who does not. Okay, so that's the first reason, just to clarify who our members are. And with this, should we move forward with it? Again, it's going to be up to the congregation. Uh, it's people who repent, believe, and are baptized and who aim to live according to these shared commitments. Okay, just like anything. Just like anything, just like the Chamber of Commerce, just like the football team, just like any job, this is what you do. The second reason, the one that I'm more excited about, is and it's to provide a clear and simple on-ramp for people who want to join our church, okay? So uh, you apply for a job, you go through orientation, so it's clear what to expect in that job, right? It would be odd if you applied at the refinery and then you get there and you start making ice cream cones. Right, that's somewhere the expectations um, were off. So it's the same principle here. You're a disciple, or you, you've recently become one, and you want to join yourself to the church. Right? You open up your Bible and say, "Oh, this seems like really important that I give my life to other people, so I walk faithfully until the end." And so, with this, what we would do. That happens, someone gets saved or, or has um, been attending for a while. We take you through the gospel. Okay, make sure you've got clarity on what the scripture says about what the gospel is, because as church members, you have a job, and that's to what? Share the gospel, right? So if you don't know the gospel, can you share it? No. Okay, so we just want to make sure everyone's clear on what the gospel is, and then we take you through the implications of how to live out the gospel, right? What we're committing to do 
um, together. So, so there's no confusion. There's no vagueness. Vagueness. There's no what's happened with several of our members. So, kind of what we've done is you come and you're attending for a while, and then when it's time to vote on something, since we don't have that clear path, you sit there and you're like, "Am I a member? Am I allowed to vote?" Looking at you, Allie and Stony. Right? <laughs> we've been here for three years, and they're like, "Are we a member? Like, we're here all the time." And, and so, I just want to remove that. Right. Instead of the, uh, you know, are they, are they not? Uh, we can have a substantial clear on ramp for those the Lord gives us. OK, so I know that's long winded, but I just want to make sure the why is clear to standardize who our current members are and then just make it real easy for new people to come in because Lord willing, new people are going to come in. We're going to go out, share the gospel. People are going to repent and believe and then want to join themselves to our church. We're going to say, hey, here's how you do it. Really easy. Really simple, okay? So the, the commitments are broken up into three categories. Commitment to the unity of the church, commitment to the mission of the church, and commitment to the testimony of the church. And so today, we're just going to knock out unity, okay? So I think we've got it up there. In view of God's mercy and grace, and by the Spirit's power, our members commit to the unity of the church through affirming our statement of faith, through uh, loving, serving, and caring for our members, by refusing corrupt talk, and by honoring our leaders, okay? So first, to be a member of our church, that would mean you commit to believe what we believe, right? (laughs) Okay, so if you believe that the Bible isn't authoritative for our lives, or you believe that Jesus is a, a created being, or that disciples can live as sinfully as they want to, or that Jesus isn't returning, personally, bodily, gloriously, if you don't believe any of that, should you be a member? No, right? I mean, I'm not, not your question, right? No, okay? These are things that we're committed to believing together, okay? It's not outlandish stuff. It's, it's basic Bible, basic evangelical Christianity, all right? Now, is right doctrine everything? It's not, right? Sinful behavior has, has destroyed far more churches than, than uh, wrong doctrine, okay? But sinful behavior is rooted somewhere. So, right, we act out what we believe. So to help unite our church and our doctrine and what we believe, we adopted back in 2019 a statement of faith. We voted to, hey, these are the 10 things that we're just all in on, right? We can deviate in other areas and have you know arguments and debates about other stuff, but these 10 things we're committed to believing, all right? And that thing doesn't cover everything, but it covers enough to, to allow us to do that Jude 1-3 thing and earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to us and pass that on to our kiddos and pass it on to their kiddos uh, until the Lord comes, okay? So that's the first thing. We think it's really important that all of our members are, are committed to these, at least these 10 things, all right? Pretty basic. That's the first commitment we make to our unity. The second thing that we think is, is really important to, to church membership is a real humdinger, okay? You ready for it? We think it's really important that in view of God's mercy and grace and by the power of the Spirit, we commit to serving and caring for our members in love. Oh my God. You want us to love one another and like take that seriously? We do, right? <laughs> that, that's the main thing. We think it really matters. The expectation that God has of us, that God has of us, and the expectation we should have of one another is that we are committed to loving and serving and caring for each other, okay? That's where I just, uh, example, right now, um, Karen had, had uh, gallbladder surgery this week. Gloria's been, been her uh, nurse all week long. Just loving her, caring for her, taking, like, 
Hey, I think they're watching actually. Hey, you know, like they're taking care of each other. Like that, that's the goal. It's not something just for pastors, not just something for deacons or elders or staff. We want every member of our body to be committed to loving and caring and serving each other in love. All right. To, to, to do Galatians 6.10, right. As you have opportunity, do good to everyone, especially the household of faith. Give yourself, commit yourself to that. So if you're, so for that easy path, we're saying if you want to join the church, this is what's expected of you, okay? You showed up last Sunday, hey, I want to join the church, great. We expect you to care for each other. We expect you to lay down your life in love for these people here. Do good to everyone, but these people here, we expect you to give your life to. And this is what Jesus teaches, right? Just really, really simple. Uh, in, In John, a new commandment I give to you. I don't know what's new about it. It seems like it's in the Torah, but he says it's new. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, by how Jesus has loved them, by this, all the world will know that you are my disciples. So Jesus gives the green light for judgment. He actually hands that to the world, which is odd. right? The world's going to know that you are my disciples based on what? How you love one another how you serve one another, how you care for one another. And so I'm saying it's vital that we're committed to this because we can have a doctrinally correct statement of faith, right? Hundreds of thousands of churches have doctrinally correct statements of faith. But if we don't love each other, who cares? God doesn't. You know what I mean? Like when you stand before God, you're not going to hold up our statement of faith and say, hey, this was right. That's not going to happen. God doesn't care about that. The, the, the wicked group of the Pharisees, not all Pharisees were wicked, just the ones Jesus was sparring with. They had perfect doctrine, right? When Paul is standing before the, the uh, uh, Felix, he, he's with the Pharisees, and he says, yeah, we share the same hope. I believe the same thing these Pharisees believe, but I walk it out with, with tenderness and, and humility, right? These guys had perfect theology, but wicked practice. We want to say as a church, uh-uh. We don't want anything to do with that. We want our doctrine to be right, and we want to walk this thing out in love for one another. Ray Ortland writes, Faithfulness to the gospel requires more than doctrinal purity in our churches. It also requires relational beauty in our churches. We want to be faithful to what we say we believe. That's walked out in these one another's and how we care for each other. So on the front end, Before someone joins the church, we make it really clear. Look, our members are going to inconvenience themselves to love you. And you are going to inconvenience yourself to love them. And I'll tell, at least my experience so far, is the more you do that, the less it feels like inconvenience and the more it just feels like worship to God. And and good for for your soul too, right? And and this is what Jesus does, okay? All the way through the the Gospels, our our records of Jesus, Jesus cares for for his disciples by meeting practical needs, right? Just a a silly one is um, Peter needs to pay a tax. So what does Jesus do? Do you guys know the story? He says, all right, go check that fish's mouth. There's your tax, Peter, right? It's just practical need because taxes, you got to got to pay him. Um, Jesus is going to the cross, and, and what's on Jesus' mind, okay? Now, I don't know. Um, Jesus is a man, so I assume his mind is like mine, and you can only think about one thing at a time. So at this point in the gospel, Jesus is going to the cross. You know what he's thinking about? Who's going to take care of my mom, right? This is John's account, Jesus going to the cross, or he's on the cross, and he tells John, hey, John, I'm up here. I'm a little busy right now, but... Can you take care of my mom? 
Jesus on the cross meeting a practical need. Hey, I'm the older brother. Someone's got to take care of my mom when she's gone. When she's gone. This is how we want to love one another, really practically, like real practical needs. And, and we want to say on the front end, look, you're, if you're going to be a member of our church, it means you're committed to meeting each other's practical needs, right? And, and what else does Jesus do to show care and love for one another? He spends time and he eats food with them. That's what the Gospels kind of are. It's just a record of Jesus and 12 dudes eating. <laughs> you know, like just walking around eat, eating food. And so we're going to commit to spending time together, okay? I'm introverted. I love y'all, but I, I don't necessarily need to see you all the time, okay? I, love, I really do love you. I just, I'm talking to people is hard for me. Um, but because I know that Jesus is committed to time and Jesus is committed to food, I spend time and eat food with people. Can you eat food with people? Like, yeah, it's so easy. It's so practical. And it's what Jesus modeled. And then the most important thing, what this means to love each other, care for each other, serve for each other, is the highest, I mean, the, the ultimate expression of the love of God is seeing what? And that Jesus, to show his love, dies. Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like, this, like this is what, we, when we talk about church membership, we're not talking about just like a political stuff and paperwork and whatever, we're talking about committing to laying down your life for one another in love, okay? Now, we can't die for each other in this sense, right? I can't provide atonement for you, but we can spend ourselves to love each other even if it kills us, okay? Like, go to your death loving your church, loving your members. And if you've been a member here for a little bit, this side of the room, okay? All right. You've seen and you've experienced the Romans 12:10 stuff and and you've you've been loved with brotherly affection. You you've seen Romans 14 stuff and, and you've seen, you know, you guys have done it too, but I'm talking to these people. You've seen outdoing one another and showing honor. You you've walked through that and and, and walked through that. You've seen more Romans 14 where you pursue what makes for mutual upbuilding among one another, right? You've seen Philippians 2 where you have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, that he went low, took his position, went low to serve and care for one another. You've seen that. You've walked through that. And so I just want to say, yeah, let's champion that and rally around that and say, yes, we're committed to loving and serving one another, okay? So that's what we're aiming for as members. Should we adopt this part of it? We're going to look each other in the eye and say, I'm committed to loving and caring and serving you. This is part of my life now. It wasn't before I wasn't a member. Now it's, now it's part of it. It's everything. The third thing we think is really important regarding the unity of the church is that we commit to guard our tongues. Okay? And this is probably the simplest one and probably the hardest one. Right? If you've read James, you know this thing is... is Jacked up, okay, jacked up. In view of God's mercy and grace and by the Spirit's power, we commit to refusing gossip and corrupt talk. Paul teaches us Ephesians 4.29, he says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that your talk might give grace to those who hear. So what is corrupting talk? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. What's he talking about? It's not the F word, okay? Though you don't say the F word, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's just not what Paul's talking about here. He's corrupt talk. You look at what he says later in the sentence, what he contrasts it with. Contrasts it with. Corrupt talk tears down. Opposite of that is words that build up. They give grace to those who hear. Corrupt talk is talk that, that corrupts, obviously, and, and divides, and it doesn't give grace to those who hear it. 
And so we think it's important on the front end because uh, tongues destroy, tongues tear down, tongues give grief to more churches than sex and money and power have. Okay? When a big church has a sex issue, a money issue, or a power issue, it makes the news and it's a real big thing. But I promise you, hundreds of thousands of little churches like ours aren't destroyed by money, sex, or power. They're destroyed by tongues. Okay? Like that. That's the deal. Okay? All kinds of assemblies are destroyed by this. And so this is where James goes in James 3, 4. He says, look at the ships also. They're so large. They're driven by strong winds. They're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, but it boasts of great things. John Calvin says this slender portion of flesh contains the whole world of iniquity. Right, You can sum up the whole of the world's evil generally with the tongue. James goes on. He says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Right, Just a little thing. So the tongue not only sets things on fire. Later, James says, the tongue is a fire. This is not sets things on fire. The tongue, your mouth, how you speak, is a fire, a restless evil, and it's full of deadly poison. Like He's just real... <laughs> adamant about this thing and so when churches are not actively cognizant of their tongues and we get corrupt talk and we get uh, uh gossip and when paul's talking about in, in titus he says it's due to busybodies okay people who don't have anything better to do so they're running around did you hear so-and-so like the whole bit when they're not actively cognizant of that and we don't deal with that and and, and we don't when we hear it say hey that you know i don't want to hear that if you have an issue with someone go to them in private and if that doesn't resolve it, then we can talk about it and, and try and figure it out. If we're not doing that actively, when churches do not tame their tongues, when it's not important to them, James says it stains the whole body and it ignites the body with the fire of hell. Okay, uh, James 3, 6. So you're never, ever, ever, you're never just gossiping. You're never just insulting. You're never just slandering. You are, James 3.15, not practicing the wisdom that comes from above, but that which is earthly, unspiritual, and James says demonic. So we might say, it's just gossip, it's just slander, it's just words, and James, James says, no, it's demons. Okay, and if you're not familiar with, like, the Bible, demons are bad. Okay, they're the bad guys. And James says when your tongue is, is unhindered and it's just out there gossiping, slandering, insulting when it shouldn't be, okay, you're participating with demons, right? You're looking at what they're doing and say, oh, I'd like to get in on that, right? Can I hang out with, with them, okay? It's incredibly serious. Turning to the Lord and to each other with all of our heart, right, which we want to emphasize that, can't mean less than, than turning to the Lord and to each other with all of our, our speech, Right, because where's the speech come from anyway? The heart, right? And so as members, we want to hold each other accountable to this. We want to be really clear about this, that when gossip starts to bubble up, whether that's at a house group, whether that's at a Sunday school, whether that's at, at Venture or, or, or wherever, we lovingly shut that off and say, hey, we committed together not to do that. Right? I understand your concern. I understand what you're saying, but there's a way to deal with this. There's a way to talk, and we're not going to use our speech like that. We're not going to use our tongues like that. And we're letting people know before they join the church, okay? This is how we're committed to live together. We're going to use our mouths. We're going to use our language to give grace to those who hear, not to corrupt, but to build up. Not, not to um, uh, gossip, but to encourage, okay? 
So we think that's really important for unity. And that's a church thing. That's a family thing. That's a job thing. I mean, you guys will walk through that. All right. Last one. And then we're going to move into uh, prayer and, and worship. To commit to the unity of the church uh, in view of God's mercy and grace and by the Spirit's power, we commit to honoring our leaders. Okay? Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Yay! For they are keeping watch over your souls as to those who will have to give an account. Oh, yikes. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, if you just stop at the first part, that's like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. And then you keep reading and you go, oh, no, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So God has, in in his uh, sovereignty, given leaders, elders, bishops, presbyters, whatever word you want to use, to his church to, with the word and with the spirit, lead the church to walk faithfully in light of the coming day, right? That's, that's the imagery, right? That they are shepherds leading and guiding and feeding and saying, hey, we're going to get to the pasture. We're going to make it encouraging people to go. Um, it, I think I've told this story before. It, in in uh, Israel, the, the, the shepherds, um, they are out front. And they, they lead the sheep like that. And this tour guide is, is, you know, doing the Israel tour bus thing. And he says, yeah, shepherds are always out front. They're always leading the sheep. And they drive by this flock. And there's a guy in the back of the sheep. And uh, after the tour, he goes back and says, hey, man, you ruined my illustration. I was just telling people shepherds are always in the front. And he says, the shepherd was in the front. I'm the butcher. <laughs> The butcher was was pushing them along. That's not what God's leaders are supposed to do. Supposed to lead people in love and in faith. That's their job. And if that's their job, one of the jobs of church members then, one of the jobs that we want to commit to is to honor those leaders and help them fulfill their task with joy. With joy. Okay? This month starts uh, my sixth year of doing this, and I have done this with joy. Okay? You guys have been a wonderful, fantastic group of believers to be part of when I was this big and now that I'm this big. Okay? Do this with joy. We've done the Hebrews 13, 17 thing. And this is meant to be reciprocal. 2 Corinthians 1, 24, it says, We don't lord our position over you, but we work with you for your joy, working together. So how do we, how do we honor our leaders practically? Assuming that, and this is, Uh, you know, a big assumption in in a lot of the world. Assuming that our leaders are shaped by the word and they are led by the spirit and they have a a track record of godliness and integrity, assuming that they are the kind of people that God called, the Bible calls us to honor and obey. What this just means practically is we need to be eager and ready to rally for biblical things. That's what it means. It's just, it's a heart posture thing, okay? This doesn't mean that your church leaders tell you what to name your children. Though we would, you know, we would, yeah, let me clarify. We would encourage against Delilah, you know. Hey, this is little Lucifer. Oh, can we talk about that? We're not going to name your kids. We're not going to tell you what color to to uh, paint your houses, though I will clean out your house if you want me to, okay? That, that's not what it means, okay? That's not what we're doing. 
What it means practically is, is as, a, as a, a member of a church with leaders, it means that you just in your heart are ready to learn and you're ready to be taught and you're ready to be led. You're not eager to kick and rebel anytime the leadership is leading. Okay? Okay? It means to have a disposition to be supportive in your attitudes and actions towards goals that we're reaching for, okay? To to try and cultivate a disposition that's not spring-loaded to disagree, but spring-loaded to be supportive of the direction that leadership is giving. Now, can you disagree? Yes, please, okay? You know this, but I'm just going to say it for for posterity's sake and the recording. Your leaders are fallible. It is amazing how fallible we are. I mean, it's amazing. Like, if we can screw something up, if I can screw something up, I promise you, I will. Right? That, like, that's just, that's the deal. But we, we trust the Lord, we, we cry to the Spirit for help, and we do the next thing. Okay? So, sure, disagree, but how we disagree, how we push back, there's a way to do this that, that's right, that's wholesome, that's good, that's honorable, that, that's doing, back to the tongue thing, not meant to tear down or, or corrupt, but to build up and give grace and say, hey, I love you, you're being an idiot here. I mean, don't say that, but same thing, okay? We can obey Scripture's teaching to honor our leaders by, when it's time to rally for biblical things, being ready to be rallied and be ready to jump in. And as we obey the Scripture's teaching to honor our our leaders by, when we disagree, do it the right way, okay? I've lost a lot of votes in this church, and it's awesome. It's a wonderful thing. All right. Megan, can you get our kids back in here? So that's our first set of commitments in view of God's mercy and grace and by the Spirit's power. We're we're committing to the unity of the church through a few things, okay? Affirming our statement of faith, loving our members, refusing corrupt talk, and honoring our leaders. Has anything there I said not in the Bible? It's a very low bar, okay? It's It's all there. So to close, and we'll have the music team come up. I want, the, I want to read the scripture we began with, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. He says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, encouraging one another all the more as the day draws near. Okay? So that's where this came from. I'm sitting in my office, thinking, praying, considering, God, how can we stir up one another to love and good works? How how can we encourage one another all the more as the day draws near? So the point of the covenant is those two things I mentioned at the start to um, standardize our current membership and make it real easy for other people to come in. But the main reason, the the main point is this, to give us a tool, to give us something to, to, to latch onto and help to encourage one another to keep going because the day is drawing near and you're going to walk faithfully in light of that day. Okay. So next week we're going to look at our commitment to our mission and then the next week commit to our testimony and then we'll see um, what happens there. Okay. So uh, I want to pray for you. So let's stand. Um, our elders, if you're here normally, we're going to have uh, elders over uh, in that corner and in this corner, um, I, I was told more people might come pray if it wasn't up front. So we're going to try it uh, this week. Our elders will be over there and over there. We're going to pray uh, for, for a little bit. And then we're going to go into uh, worshiping the Lord together in song. So let me pray and then our elders will, will move out. So Father, God, we're asking you for your spirit to come 
and help us um, to come and, uh, alongside us and, and uh, God lead us and guide us as sons of God led by the Spirit of God. Lord, I'm asking you for um, God discernment and, and where to go. God, I'm asking that whether we choose to adopt this thing officially or not, uh, that we're committed to it in our heart. God, to, to believing right things, to laying down our lives, to love each other like Christ laid down his life for us. God, to, to taming our tongues, to submitting our, our words to you, submitting our speech to you. And God, to honor leadership when it's godly, to honor leadership when it's leading the right way. In the name of Jesus. So if you want prayer from an elder, our elders will be here and here. Um, I'll be up here as well. Um, and whenever that's winding down, we'll, we'll worship the Lord in song.
tears dancing in your eyes. Tears tell the law and promise to a bird. 